That's right, they're playing video games for money. And I'm definitely not gonna let uh, Mass Effect in my house. The level of violence on video games. It might be hazardous to physical and mental health. Pokemon world is a world of the demonic. Then there's the argument that video games can be art. They're a world phenomenon. Hello friends and welcome to a new episode of Hit Point Pals where we gather once a week to talk about the games we're playing and dive into some of the big picture ideas going on in the gaming and pop culture world. I'm Travis Lean. With me today we have Caleb Warwick. What's going on? And we don't have Rebecca Markley today, but we have our friend Cam Call with us. That's right, kids. The district asked me to come here to teach you about the greatest game of all, abstinence. I sure <laughs> hope not. Um, as as you as I'm sure you remember, Will is off on his road trip still, but he'll be back with us next week, I believe. But we're gonna hold down the fort here. Cam is has been with us on our other podcast, Star Wars Rewatch. So if he sounds familiar, that is why. He's also been on this podcast before. I don't know why I that is true. to that one. But I regularly but, appear on Star Wars, so. That is correct. You know, if you just started Hit Point Pals. There's a lot, there's a lot to go just through. Just go back, go back in the catalog if you need more than this. More than this one episode of my voice. So to talk about today, I found... A polygon piece where the writer Astrid Johnson, she wanted to dive into the psychological reasons that certain games feel like coming home. And so she spoke to um, a psychologist named Jenny Saucerman who kind of distilled the reasons into three specific points of psychology. And I'm not, I, I don't know much about psychology, but it, she writes it out pretty cleanly in this article, which I appreciate. I guess if I back up a little bit, she starts by talking about how much she loves uh, Hateno Village. Is that how you say it? Um, I think so. I think that's always how I pronounced it. I okay. Think... Well, in, this is in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And Hateno Village is a village in which you can you can build a home. Um, I This is an interesting choice for me because you don't actually come across this village near the start of the game. Or, I mean, I guess relatively it's a pretty long game so you can come across it whenever but um i didn't come across Hateno village for a while so to me this this particular point of interest in breath of the wild doesn't really feel like home to me yet i haven't spent too much time uh in it and i haven't spent all of the uh resources necessary to deck out my house fully either so maybe that's why but uh when i think of like games that feel like home to me there's several that come to mind and we'll we'll talk about our personal picks but before we do that um i just want to quickly go over the reasons that they talk about in this article because i thought they were pretty interesting um the first one that she talks about is cognitive psychology and the familiarity effect in which the more frequently you encounter something the more likely you are to like it and this really only works with things that are positive <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> I was, about i'm thinking about in, running into into things you don't like, but eventually like, I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, that's kind of how things work, right? Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome exists, I suppose, but. That is true. Anyways. Uh, advertising, car commercials, uh, just things that are re repetitive on television. Like you build kind of a, a psychological like association with certain things when they have, you know, theme songs or they have marketing campaigns and images that you can associate with them. And that's how, you know, the big corporations plant their products into your head and get you familiar with that so that you are more likely to engage with their product. 
Um, the second reason is something she calls the third place, uh, which is a virtual environment. So like online spaces where we socialize, whether that's like in a game chat room or like kind of like we're doing right now in Discord, um, there's kind of this this modern era issue where parents complain about their kids not going outside enough and not playing outside. And I think part of that is because they're worried that they're not out there socializing and having like positive social interactions when really a lot of that nowadays has been replaced with uh, online interaction. Um, which I guess there's, you know, there's always been a lot of debate about, like, whether one is better than the other, but um, I, I don't believe that there's any research that necessarily says that online interaction is significantly uh, worse or, or different from in-person interaction, just as far as maintaining a healthy social life and having those positive social interactions that parents want their kids to have. Um, Jenny talks about like NPC interactions in RPGs, which are generally a, a wholly single player experience like Breath of the Wild. Um, and so you're interacting with, I mean, you're, you're reading pre-written dialogue, but because of like the combination of the third place and the familiarity effect, uh, the way that like your brain associates positive vibes with like getting to know the people in, in these hub worlds or in your uh, in your hometown and around your house and stuff in these games, it it kind of fulfills that social aspect. Sounds very, like, dystopian, I know, but... Um, and the third reason is just simply nostalgia. Um, we think about games that felt like home to us. We're talking in, about games that we played in the past, obviously. I can't talk about a game that feels like home that I haven't played yet. We all know nostalgia is just a, like a positive association with uh, memories generally. So we get all sorts of media nowadays that builds on nostalgia for uh, the old days, the films of the 80s, the 70s, like Star Wars, um, Stranger Things is very heavy on the nostalgia, uh, b banking on nostalgia. Um, and so if we've had a lot of positive interactions and, and positive feelings about home worlds and certain games that we played maybe as kids or maybe even a, a, a few years ago or so, then we will automatically have that sort of positive connotation with those home worlds that we played in the past. Um, yeah, any thoughts on that article or just any of those psychological points that I tried to briefly summarize there? <laughs> No, that um, that's really interesting uh, talking point. Kind of like the repetitiveness of um, songs and stuff like that. Like, especially like if you think of it in the terms of like Legend of Zelda, um, mm -hmm. it makes sense oh, yeah, too that for is that. A good one. Um, because you know all these kids grow up. Uh, for example, I guess you can start on the first Legend of Zelda or even just like the Ocarina of Time. And I know there's a lot of Zelda fans out there that have consistently played the games, and you know it has the same. Um, you know, melodies and has the same villages and some same characters throughout each game. Obviously, they're different games, but, like, that makes a, a lot of sense, especially, like, if you're hearing these songs that you grew up with, hearing these or seeing these people, seeing these NPCs, how it could, especially, like, um, Breath of the Wild could feel like home. Um, I mean, I've I've played and beaten Breath of the Wild, but I I never grew up with Zelda, so I couldn't necessarily draw that connection with myself. But I could see how that would make sense. I grew up with a lot of oddball games, and there's some games that I consider um, make me feel like I'm at home. Uh, a weird example is Fallout. I grew up with Fallout. I 
I think I started Fallout 3 when it came out. I was pretty young, but I loved it. I beat it. And then I um, just hearing like the Fallout theme music, you know, the Fallout, um, like those heavy trumpet uh, dooming kind of sound. Just it brings me back that nostalgic feeling and makes me honestly, it makes me want to play through it again. See all these great characters mm. and stuff like that. And it, it makes a lot of sense psychologically, especially with the reoccurring themes with like um, for me in, in particular, uh, just the, that opening dialogue scene, war, war never changes, all that. Um, starting up that game and seeing like the NCR and different factions and it just makes me feel comfortable and like I, I totally understand the the article and what it's trying to portray and I think that's a really interesting interesting idea. Two quick things on what you were saying. Um, I said that you couldn't have like nostalgia for something you hadn't played obviously yeah that's just kind of how time works mm -hmm. um but you you mentioned uh music in legend of zelda and i started thinking about how like playing breath of the wild for the first time for me was like y y y you kind of already feel like you're at home if you've played other legend of zelda games because that series recycles all of their music yeah. um there's a lot of in the uh, best way like, possible <laughs> yeah yeah very prominent uh music tracks that they will recycle and just re-instrumentalize uh, and Breath of the Wild does its really pretty piano renditions and stuff of all the classic Zelda themes so maybe I was wrong about that. Um, the other thing was uh, in this, ar this article is titled The Psychological Reasons G Games Feel Like Coming, Certain Games Feel Like Coming Home but she talks about it mostly in terms of the village in Breath of the Wild so like a specific location in that game and that's kind of how I was thinking about it like i guess there are are games that feel like coming home but to me i i kind of like i i would like to expand on that and think about like cert if there are areas in games that you really associate with like a sense of home mm -hmm. like for me i'll just my quick example would be like the normandy and mass effect yeah uh just hub and how you can just yeah like it, it is kind of a hub world and you can wander around and have all the conversations with npcs in there and stuff and it's your character's home uh for that game it's there his his big mobile home that he's in yeah. charge of and that just everything down to like the ambience of that i just find really soothing um i know sometimes when i need to focus i'll just put on like spaceship ambience not necessarily the normandy specifically although i do know where that youtube video is i can pull <laughs> it up when i need to so uh cam what about you yeah yeah i was thinking there's de definitely Skyrim, but I would say the Elder mm -hmm. Scrolls games in general feel mm -hmm. like home to me. I would say as a any series, that's probably what I've put the most hours into. Uh, Legend of Zelda, of course, as well. I was thinking it's it's interesting, too, because certain genres of games, I suppose, or even all the games pretty much from Nintendo, it seems, the more I think about this familiarity the more I kind of think about how this is a conscious choice or possibly unconscious choice that developers are making and how certain studios and certain developers really lean into that and the way that Nintendo is pretty much all franchise games for the most part. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting challenge, I think, to try to make something that feels familiar because I think that's the reason a lot of us really love Nintendo characters is because we grew up with them, you know, Mario, Zelda, and so forth. But you still need to make a different game each time. 
I was also thinking, as far as like MMOs go, feeling like home. Right. In a way, RuneScape for me is one I spent a lot of time on as a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, what whatever the city is that you spawn in, I cannot remember the name, but that's another place I've just spent so much time that it feels so comforting and familiar. That that's I'm a even really, that's I haven't really even touched point. RuneScape in I mean years, but it's still yeah. I can see that I could tell you where really where you could find about anything in that little town. I was actually gonna briefly bring up like um, MMOs or an MMO I played when I was a kid. Like I I I don't know if you guys ever heard of this game Adventure Quest or whatever, but I played. Oh that. yeah, yeah, where you're like a two D character. Yeah, and it's all menus. Yeah, I, I played that for a little bit too. I, I for some reason I don't know why I I just played so much of it, and I I get the kind of feeling. It it makes more sense with an MMO too because like you're actually like there's a hub world but there's like dozens of other people that are also playing it so it's like you're coming home and like seeing all your friends on the game and stuff and that also makes a lot of sense too um I yeah so there's that and then also like a wizard 101 just like with with MMOs it makes a lot of sense especially um for like feeling like you're coming home like you get on the game, you go to the hub world, and then you go on a mission with your friends, and then you come back to the hub world. You can actually socialize with other human beings inside of that hub world and stuff like that. It's, yeah, with MMOs, that um, also that makes a lot of sense too. That's yeah, cool. I think it really gets to that third place concept that she mm-hmm. talks about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I mean, there are even games like Second Life and stuff where that's pretty much the entire reason for the game to exist is just to be that third place. And I mean, was very popular for a long time. So that's, I don't know. That's interesting. Cause I've obviously I've only ever thought of games in the sense of, you know, mm-hmm. playing a game and accomplishing a task or what have you, yeah. but there are absolutely games that just exist to be a space for socializing with other yeah. people. And I mean, I guess there's even, at this point, visual novels and that sort of thing, where the whole premise is engaging with NPCs. Yeah, right. I would say that's kind of the concept behind The Sims too, because you're just you're making Sims and you're controlling uh, one or a handful at a time, and you're just interacting with uh, other NPCs who don't really say anything real. <laughs> so Barbara that's dude. kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there are there are games that I have played enough that like like I, I know kind of how how the intro starts and stuff like Morrowind, how you wake up and the guard comes down and 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 says, Get yourself up on deck and then you go through all of the um you go through all the menus to set up your character and everyone has these funny lines that they'll say like before uh <laughs> now I can't think of anything because I put <laughs> myself on the spot, but um <laughs> get yourself up on deck and talk to Celis Gravius and all of these things that these people just say, like those lines are just burned into my head. And I'm sure if I booted up Morrowind today, it would awaken something from my childhood. Yeah. So it's, it's not like I haven't played it in forever. Like I, like at least once a year, I will install it just to goof around or to install the latest, like Morrowind overhaul and do like some, some graphics tweaking and try not to crash my game. But, yeah, Morrowind is very much a 
uh, just a, like a home to me, especially the two kind of starting worlds that you have, or starting towns, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. With MMOs and um, some single-player games that I played when I was little, it's it definitely feels like, I don't know, it's it's weird. It's just, it's, because like, I, I completely understand that concept. And, like, I played, uh, what was it? Uh, Battle for Bikini Bottom. I played that recently. I want to say, like, a month or two ago. And I had the biggest, like, just flashback uh, nostalgia trip because I played that game so much when I was little, and I just remember all the menu music, all of the just everything about the game, and I booted it up, and I was like, "Whoa, this is really trippy!" Like, I I had a big nostalgia trip with that, and it definitely felt like comforting playing that game. It felt actually like I came home for some reason. Of all games, Battle for Bikini Bottom. I think that's funny, but I think they're remaking it. Yeah, they are remaking it. Oh man, See, I'm gonna have to buy it. Nostalgia. Again. There you go. SpongeBob <laughs> is on what about a 20 year cycle now? If you SpongeBob. go from the very beginning. Oh yeah, and they're doing They're doing that. Destroy all humans. Um, oh yeah, destroy. I was just thinking about destroy all humans the other day. Just kind of randomly came up. I remember renting destroy all humans from Blockbuster. <laughs> we want to oh, talk about no. nostalgia. Yeah. Oh I remember, man. I, mean, I think I bought it afterwards, but. That's how I fr- I had seen the commercials. Did you buy it or did you wait until they went out of business? I'm just no, no, I bought it. Yeah, just keep it until. <laughs> like you knew. <laughs> yeah, I think this like was. These people are gonna go out of business soon. I'm gonna keep it. Yeah, no, I wasn't very old at this point, so I mean, Blockbuster still had, I think, a good ten years at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. In a sense, Blockbuster is like the social home or the social hub. Of that time, you just go there and it feels like home. It's very true. Blockbuster on like a Friday night was absolutely a social hub world of sorts. (laughs) Like the more we keep talking about this, the more I keep like digging into my brain. Like, holy crap. Like, I'm starting to like remember all these games that I played when I was little. And like, I'm probably going to want to play them right after this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing she talks about is gameplay Mm -hmm. and how when you play a game you're kind of shaping you're shaping a your your own unique experience like no two people play a game and have the same exact gameplay experience you make a lot of choices regarding the pace of the game and like the like the pace that you want to advance through the story and whatnot um you kind of shape the narrative experience and like with good game design especially you'll feel like you're organically kind of driving the story even with bad game design, you still have a certain level of agency. And so like every game that you go through, you feel like more, a lot more connected to it than you would uh, like other forms of media, because although you're experiencing in most cases, a pre-written story, um, a, a good game will make you really feel like you weren't just experiencing the story, but you were also helping create it. Um, and so she talks about how that helps add meaning to kind of the concept of virtual spaces and improves on like the nostalgia that we have for them and such, because it feels like it was kind of a real experience, right? Um, I have more nostalgia for like Morrowind, for instance, than like a lot of films that I've watched. Like I don't find myself longing to go into a, 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 the world of a film as much as I do wanting to kind of go into the world of Morrowind, for instance. Yeah. 
I think it's kind of funny because like when you're saying um, describing like um, gameplay and like creating the world for some reason I could not stop thinking about like Fallout 76 for some reason and it's uh-huh. completely I don't know man like I'm just thinking about like how they're replacing NPCs and with real people or whatever I don't know right I was just like I don't want to think of that that's one <laughs> that's one I don't want to think about <laughs> like I Probably if I booted up Fallout 76, I would still get that, like, sense of being home almost. But I don't, like, want to do that because I I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I mean, maybe if a game that you're expecting to feel like home in the way that, you know, another entry in the Fallout series, if it's you've played a lot of Fallout 3 in New Vegas and so on. If Fallout 76 doesn't deliver on that feeling, I wonder if we're probably a lot more likely to judge it really harshly, because not only was it a bad experience for gameplay or mechanics reasons or, you know, all of the myriad reasons people didn't like Fallout 76, there's also this mm-hmm. layer of it didn't feel right mm-hmm. on top of that. Yeah, like, when I think of a good um, Fallout game for me in particular, I think I always just will always resort to New Vegas just because I think that was, like, the perfect execution, even with, like, the little resources they used to make that game compared to like Fallout 3 or 4. And I I just think about like the good, the fun RPG me- mechanics. I'm not going to say good, I'm going to say fun. And I'm going to think about like all of the cool characters in that game and all the cool experiences you have with these crazy NPCs and the, the different types of story branches depending on who you pick, what faction you pick, and like um, also like if you side with one faction, you're going to be hated by another faction and stuff like that. Like, that's what I think of when I think of a good Fallout game. Like, obviously, Fallout doesn't have the best gameplay because, you know, it's it's more of a RPG type. Like, I don't, I don't know. And, um... But what do you mean by gameplay? Uh, gameplay as in, or I should say gunplay. Because okay. yeah, that's right. kind of what um, I thought you meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think everybody that's played Fallout kind of knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it, it's it's like it's essentially the same as like you know Skyrim, um, in a sense of like gameplay. Like, you know, Skyrim. That's why Skyrim also felt a lot like home for me when I first played it and stuff like that. But uh, anyways, um, yeah. So with Fallout, gunplay's not great. But I love it anyways because I love the story, I love the atmosphere, I love everything about um, the Fallout universe, right? So that was it's kind of interesting because I played Fallout Four and I was expecting all that, I was getting all that nostalgia and stuff. But then they added this weird mechanic of like base building and just like this weirdness. So I love the base building. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> like it's good and everything. Don't get me wrong, but like especially with uh, what's it, what's his name, I, I, Preston, right? Yeah. Um. Like you I have just many settlements. Yes, the the meme, the the big the big two thousand what fifteen meme or whatever. Um, but yeah, he just after that like repetitiveness. I I never felt that in three or New Vegas, and like just it felt didn't feel the same stuff like that. So I didn't necessarily feel at home after playing the game for a long period of time. It made me want to go back to New Vegas. It made me want to go back to Fallout Three. Um, I still had the I still had a good time with Fallout Four. Don't get me wrong, but like uh, some games, um, trying to bank off of the you know the name, I guess don't necessarily live up to it. 
um, also at the same time. That's what that's what mm. I'm kind of coming across with. Uh, anything else on this topic before we take a break? Uh, let's talk about Fallout for one more hour. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was wondering about one thing, and this kind of—I mean, Travis, you mentioned car commercials and how they're all yeah. sort of the same. And I was thinking, right. I mean, car commercials even between brands and between models are very similar. Mm-hmm. And so, I wonder if that's you know not not to make it sound like a conspiracy or anything, but I feel like marketing departments at car companies would sort of acknowledge like, okay, if we all make similar commercials, we can sort of all use this familiarity effect to our advantage. So, you know, if Toyota and I don't know, Scion make similar commercials, they both stand to benefit from it because everybody likes car commercials more, if that makes sense. And they're more likely to buy a car. You know, you say that, but I will Every the only car commercial I've ever remembered off the top of my head is the Kia car commercial with the wrapping hamsters. Yeah, I was just about. I'm just to saying that right Kia, now. I knew exactly where you were going. <laughs> you could do with this, or you could do with. <laughs> and that came out in like 2000, like eight or something like that. I don't know. I don't know when it came out. I'm not keep track of car commercials, but like. You have a journal. <laughs> yeah, like let me look at my uh, notebook. <laughs> Um, no, but like literally that's the, I still to this day will remember that commercial clearly. It's the gold standard to which you compare all car commercials. That it, it, when I was at that age, when it came out, I don't remember how old I was. I was going to go out and buy a Kia from that commercial. I was going to go and (laughs) buy a Kia. My dad was, my whole family was, that's how good it was. Just saying. Yeah, well, maybe that's like because it was different from the genre. <laughs> exactly that's why it was. It felt like you were leaving home, but in a good way. Like you're stepping out into the world with on. the wrapping hamsters. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, look, this car better come with a human-sized hamster. I swear, <laughs> I'm returning it. Yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> and I, I yeah, was I, get, actually... I get what you're saying, man. Though I get what you're saying with the consistency with the car commercials. It's yeah, odd, but where like, I was going with that, yeah. as far as how it relates to games, is I wonder how much probably smaller studios are kind of comparing their games experiences to AAA games in an in a effort to get people to to like them more. I guess you mean kind of like building in the model of AAA games. Yeah, right. So it's like people enjoy. I don't know. I can't think of a good example, but I don't know. People enjoy shooters. People enjoy first person shooters. Sure. Sure. Even getting a little bit more specific than that. Like, so for example, if people really love the elder scrolls, it seems like a smaller studio could just shoot to make their game feel like an elder scrolls game or even just a Bethesda game in general. Cause I think they all have a fairly distinct feel to them. Yeah. In an effort to sort of capitalize on that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if that's a thing anybody really does. It just seems no. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Successful games usually generate a lot of like clones. One bad example I could think of something like that is how AAA games are seeing the the mobile games capitalize on microtransactions and stuff. So they're trying to pick up on that. But that, oh, yeah, that's, that's a, a perfect example. That's oh yeah. Like a, that's a separate example that I don't like. But right. with the with the example of like you know the the AAA games and. And uh, 
smaller studios kind of trying to, you know, get that feeling. And I think it's interesting, too, because, like, um, how similar the Fallout and um, Skyrim, sorry, it's not Skyrim, Elder Scroll games are, like, in um, concept, I guess, um, kind of goes hand in hand, too. Like, a lot of people that, like, Fallout, like, the Elder Scrolls games and vice versa. But, you know, there's the, the subtlety of people that don't, well, that only like one or the other, but I don't know. I that's why I, when I first because Skyrim was the first. Um, actually, no, Oblivion was. Um, Oblivion came out before um, Fallout Skyrim. Three, right? Oh, before Fallout Three, <laughs> um, but also before Skyrim. Oh shit! I get those two mixed up. I think Oblivion came out before Mar- Morrowind, Fallout. Oblivion, Fallout Three. Yeah. 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 That, that sounds right. So, yeah. I actually played Oblivion first, and then so I played Oblivion, and then played fallout 3 next so like it felt like not obviously the exact same but like the gameplay wise like it felt similar and so that's why i grasped on fallout 3 like i i liked it a lot and then i you know got super into it and then i played um new vegas and i played skyrim and then i played fallout 4 so like yeah it was um it felt very um similar in concept of gameplay but allowed me to feel home for both of them so it was cool it was a cool um scenario they're always going to feel like home for me <laughs> i get uh, like a false secondhand nostalgia for minecraft just oh, based yeah, on me other too. people's nostalgia for minecraft because i didn't play minecraft all that much i certainly didn't play it as a kid that was kind of like I like i was lot. too old for that to be like my game that i played as a kid come on um, but and I did I, I, I did spend some time in Minecraft, but I, I I don't feel like I spent enough time to say that like I really know the game. Yeah. Um I know what the game looks and feels like. But then people post so many like Minecraft memes and then like YouTube videos that are like uh, like the, the Minecraft soundtrack and they've got like the animated gif of, of your laptop in your bed and there's like the crickets that are chirping outside and it's like it's supposed to evoke the sense of nostalgia for like when you were a kid playing minecraft on your laptop in your room at like two in the morning and i feel like i get a weird nostalgia for that even though that wasn't really me it's it's minecraft super weird though like it's it's situation because like i came into minecraft at a interesting time it's when it came out through the xbox 360 that's when i got into minecraft because i never had a pc or anything like that like, I would try on, like, my mom's laptop, and, like, it would just, like, freeze up every time I <laughs> try to play Minecraft. But it came on the 360, and then I got super into it on the 360 also. And then, you know, I just kind of grew out of Minecraft. But, um, yeah, it Minecraft's still super relevant, which is interesting also. Like, it's not... You're, you but get there's nostalgia this, like, there's this collective, for it. Yeah, there's this collective sense yeah. of nostalgia that people associate Minecraft with their childhood. You get nostalgia I, for it, I, but it's still super, super relevant, which is right. like, I don't yeah. know, it's just odd to me. Like, um, for example, like Halo, um, Halo 3, perfect one for me. Like, that game, I remember when it came out and I played it, and, you know, I, I got nostalgia from it from, like, it's theme and stuff like that from the previous games but now it's weird because like it's it's coming back around especially with the revamp and coming into back to steam and stuff and now you can start to feel that same sort of like minecraft t- 
type nostalgia for Halo 3. Like, uh, remember when you'd stay up at, until like 2 a.m. with your buddies playing four-player split screen on Halo 3? And like, I still have very vivid memories of those too. And I don't know why I didn't think of Halo 3, but that's like actually one of the main games that I think of when coming home. And just that example, like Halo 3, like that's that's the one for me. And God damn it. But um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's 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 weird because like these games that feel like they've came out so recently um, are starting to like you're starting to feel nostalgic. I just feel like I'm getting old now. It's <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. It's so weird to feel yeah, yourself an aging. Crisis. Yeah. Like what is going on? Yeah. Nobody's See, heard of RuneScape? Yeah. I thought a little <laughs> bit about Halo, but I don't know. It just, for whatever reason, and maybe it may be because my fondest memories of Halo actually involve like real people and my friends playing, you know, at sleepovers and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, cause I think for me to really evoke that nostalgia, it kind of requires something that can't be recreated of just like that excitement of hanging out with your friends and staying up way too late. And like, well, for and, like, me, just that's... hearing the theme and like, hearing like you know the shield recharge and the yeah like the weapon sounds even just like playing online by yourself i still get that feeling when i'm playing it it, yeah. it doesn't have for me it doesn't have i don't have to be around physical people like i'll still get like once every year or so everyone will be like hey do you want to have a land party I'm like what the fuck land party i'm at home <laughs> right now this is over the internet dude no yeah, i'll have a wi-fi but, um, party yeah <laughs> Look, I man. imagine that that the sound example like would fall under familiarity because sound effects, especially, you just hear so many times, and like, yeah, there's exactly. reasons that we have positive feelings about like the HBO intro and that sound that it has, and like the like the THX, uh, <laughs> big sound intro. Oh yeah, uh, we've just heard those so many times that uh, it just kind of generates that that sort of positive ho- hominess feeling just because you're so familiar with it. Yeah, Whatever it's... happened to that THX noise? I mean, I was it got just thinking louder. about that. Like as I said it, I just thought, like, what do you, is that even a thing anymore? Yeah, like, it, I don't, it I don't buy, I don't buy DVDs anymore. Yeah, I just stream movies so at I, this point. Yeah, I, Wait. I, yeah, I think that, I think that's just for DVDs or just for Blu-rays. They um, appear to still I be in business. I, saw, I thought I saw. Um, so I went to New York for Christmas, and I was at a movie theater. I thought it was the THX intro when it was starting, but I it could, I think I'm wrong, actually. I don't remember. I don't um, believe I've ever seen the intro in a theater. I think it's always on I, home Yeah, media. that's why I'm like, that's why I'm like, I don't think it was that. I think it might have Some been video else. games have it, too. Really? Yeah. Definitely GameCube games, at least. THQ? Huh. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the THQ. Wikipedia page. And no, it... THX. <laughs> yeah, yeah, THQ, know, definitely. But, like, Not what, I would always think of THX when I saw the THQ logo, though. That's what I mean. Oh, okay. It says here, the founder of THX is George Lucas. What? Which that, I yeah. had no idea. Well, he had that short film, THX 1138. Oh, that's that right. sci-fi film, and that's where the name came mm. from. It all all comes back to George Lucas on in this podcast family. Everything, family. <laughs> everything <laughs> oh, comes no, back. Oh no, we should take a break. Okay, <laughs> we'll take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about what we've been playing.
we're back. So games that we've been playing this week, uh, I said that I was going to go first. So I'll start off with The Climb, which is a VR game. See, I've played a lot of, I've played a handful of VR games, and this is the first time I've really felt like the game experience was very rewarding, um, like in a very literal sense. So you go through all of these like climbing puzzle type things, and, and it generally takes, depending on what sort of level you pick and the difficulty of the level, it can take five minutes or it can take like 10 to 15 minutes. and like each checkpoint I think is very like satisfying to get to and catch your breath and then getting to the final checkpoint is always satisfying in a very literal sense and it's supposed to be like they they have a music cue and your guy will say or your girl whoever you pick will will yell and you'll hear the echo and you can just kind of look around at all the scenery and that's my favorite part of the game are you like literally climbing a mountain yeah, that's so cool. the, I always I thought that kinda, would be a fun I kinda thing. I kind of skipped the premise of <laughs> what the climb is, but uh, it's just about rock climbing or like mountain climbing. Um, you're just some sort of, uh, you, you're just uh, just a big old daredevil, I guess, and you're climbing all these. There's, I believe, there's four different uh, environments, and they each have a number of like different difficulty courses. So today I just went through one that's like it starts in kind of like a mine. And then once you start sort of start getting outdoors, it opens up into like this big, like sort of alpine environment where you can see like ski lifts, so you can see like little villages and stuff all around. It's I find the environment to be kind of the the most fun part of that game. Um, one of the things I was worried about because I get pretty like easily motion sick in in VR games, especially the ones where like they don't really have you so like vr games usually will have you teleport for instance like vr skyrim has you teleport because it's weird to like glide around when your feet in real life aren't moving that's just that just makes me want to throw up and so um oculus has these like comfort level systems that they'll tell you when you look at a game so for instance there's a there's a vr fishing game that i think is really nice and relaxing and that's one that's rated uh like comfortable like the green level and then there's an intermediate level and then the climb is they classify it as on the extreme level but i thought like well i've played like a handful of vr games i would like to just i'd like to try the climb um maybe it's not for me but i ended up really liking it and i ended up not getting motion sick like there's something about the like it's it's all very vertical and at first it's it's strange to kind of like have your hands kind of move well it feels like your hands are moving the camera and in turn because the camera is your eyes is right on your face so it kind of feels like you're moving you it just it, it didn't give me that dis disassociation that you get from like gliding around with teleport disabled in skyrim for instance just I, something about like going up and like not having your feet planted I think is what really helps uh, avoid any sense of motion sickness because that's really where your brain hates VR is when like you're you're moving uh, like you're walking in the game but you're not walking in real life and that's what makes me want to throw up usually oh yeah and so the climb doesn't have that because the climb kind of the climb doesn't believe in feet right. that's not a concept in in the climb so it's just you and your hands and you're going up and sometimes down very satisfying i've i haven't felt this satisfied by a vr game before just the way it kind of rewards you for doing stuff and getting to places 
Yeah, I wonder if we'll see more of that, because, I mean, in VR Skyrim, if you aren't teleporting, you're just, like, moving with a joystick, right? And just yeah. moving around. But the climb, I mean, you're literally moving your hands around to go up this thing. So, like you said, I can see that being much less disorienting. So I wonder right. if we're going to see a little bit more conscious design choices in VR. Because, I mean, yeah. I know I get motion sick in real life pretty easily. I don't have a lot of experience <laughs> with vr but i do remember i played uh i played a few games for you know maybe a total of like half an hour 45 minutes once at my friend's house and i just i i enjoyed it but i really didn't want to get back into it because of mm -hmm. just how it made my head feel yeah the, i the, like the best vr games know that they are vr games and they build for vr specifically so like games when i see a game on steam that's like vr supported but it's like not required generally i steer clear of that because right. that like if you can play it on a flat screen like in my opinion then it's it's probably not worth playing in vr or it's it's just gonna feel weird yeah there's a there's an upcoming game that i think is a great example of just building for vr it's called phantom covert ops and it's like a stealth assassination game where you have like gadgets and guns and stuff but the whole thing takes place in a kayak oh huh? so you just kind of you kayak around and do your do your missions so you play it sitting oh, down oh, and you, oh. you kayak and you <laughs> i thought you meant like and... you, you said it took place in the kayak for some reason i thought like all of the events of the game took place in one kayak so i was like what like, like a well, giant yeah, kayak? A kayak with you <laughs> no 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 i mean like the people that you're going to kill are in the kayak. Oh, you, and you thought they would, yeah. they would be in the kayak. With in you. the no. same kayak. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. I am so confused. Yeah. There was an article up on Kotaku this week titled, okay, seriously, maybe VR gaming is about to have its big moment. Where they this talk is about the one. Phantom covert ops. Yeah. They talk about phantom covert ops and they talk about a really cool looking upcoming game from insomniac called Stormlands. And then a sequel to, I haven't gotten to play Lone Echo, but Lone Echo is kind of considered one of the best VR games ever made, and it's it's a sequel to Lone Echo. I just repeated myself, Lone Echo 2. Whenever the new, like, next generation of VR comes out, there's that ridiculously priced uh, Valve Index out right now, and, like, the it's not affordable to normal people, because it's a thousand bucks but the people who have been able to get their hands on it like it seems to be kind of like the new definitive vr experience so mm -hmm. things seem to be moving in that direction mm. um other quick game that i played was called you are jeff bezos <laughs> do you get a divorce uh no oh, okay. uh that is that is not an event that i experienced at least um it is a twine game uh so a text adventure and you start, uh, the premise is that you wake up one day and suddenly you're Jeff Bezos. Um, you weren't previously, and you know who Jeff Bezos is. Um, and you wake up and you're, you're him, and you have all of his wealth, and you just kind of have to decide what to do with it. Uh, the point of the game is to really put into perspective the ludicrous amount of wealth that Jeff Bezos has. And so you can do things like pay off student debt and, like, uh, pay for like new healthcare systems and uh, give all, every homeless person a home. And uh, every time you do one of these things, you kind of get this. Uh, you you look at how much money you have left, and you're kind of left going, "What the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like why do I still have all this money?" 
um <laughs> it's just a it's just a funny little like tongue-in-cheek thing to uh just really help you put into perspective a lot of the, the wealth inequality that we deal with and i i played that because it was going around it was it was circulating on twitter during the uh the amazon prime day slash amazon strike there's a section where uh i i believe the feds come after you for some reason because like i don't know people are just angry and people think that you're like committing fraud for some reason even though you are jeff bezos but that's the name of the game you literally are <laughs> yeah uh, there's like a hipster barista who like shelters you in her Starbucks for a while and helps you <laughs> escape. And it was just a, it was it was a good game. I don't know how many different routes there are. I don't I don't like to replay uh, games like that very many times. So I re- I played it once and I I went. That was very fun and 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 neat and funny. Um, yeah. So I don't know. There 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 could be a lot more paths to go down, but that was the one I went down. I believe I ended up in in jail. Uh, Anyway, that's a fun game to play if you ever want to, <laughs> if you ever need any help understanding how much fucking money Jeff Bezos has. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty, it's pretty astounding. I saw something that was like, you could just set like $100,000 in a pile and light it on fire. And if you did this every day for like, since I don't know, like the Ice Age or something stupid. You'd you'd have gone through like a tenth of all the money Jeff Bezos has. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I wish I could find that exact quote, but it's in that same vein, I guess, of just pretty, pretty unimaginable what it even means to have that much money. Right. Ugh. Kayla, what have you been up to? Well, thanks for asking, Travis. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, I have played so many video games in the past couple of weeks i guess um i guess i finally want to just like get out of my system i beat all of the metal gear solid games um that so i started the series with five that was my introduction ground zeros and then five um so i had no idea what the hell was going on and who these characters were so i it, it really intrigued me so I've always heard about, like, you need to play these Metal Gear Solid games. You need to. But I never had, like, a PlayStation or anything growing up. So I picked up the Metal Gear Solid HD collection for the PlayStation 3, which comes with Metal Gear Solid 1 through 4. And I played every single one of them for the past, I want to say, two months now. Um, it, That's how long it took me to go through all four of them. And, like... It was a big payoff. Like, it was really, 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 really cool. The just the experience, um, like playing the first game was a really interesting experience. There was you know frustrating things with the controls because it came out PlayStation One, and I had to use the D pad to control Snake. But um, as time went on and I played more and more of like the first game, the second game, the third game, and the fourth game, I now have a valid understanding of which game I like the most out of all of them. Um, I'm going to give Metal Gear Solid 3 the crown for that, just because of how great the story was, and just everything about it. Um, that This franchise is now, like, it's just really good. I, I highly recommend it to anybody that's even just remotely interested in it. Um, this crazy, 
crazy amounts of dialogues and story things happening. And um, I think in Metal Gear Solid 4 alone, um, there was like, I don't know, the it was the game was like 75% cutscene, 25% gameplay. Fuck. Just, yeah, Ugh. I mean, it's not bad, especially for somebody that has played the first couple of games because there's a lot of like arcs and stuff going on during that game to finish off um, characters' storylines and stuff like that. It's really sad. It's really cool. And right now I'm playing like the spinoff games. I think, uh, what is Revengeance. it? Oh, yeah, Revengeance. <laughs> okay, so what's really cool about that game is you play as the main character of Metal Gear Solid 2, but it's a hack and slash game. And it's the most over-the-top crazy shit you will ever play. I love it so much. Like, just as an example, um, there was a boss fight, and you're fighting a Metal Gear. Uh, you're fighting Metal Gear Ray um, with a katana that is electric, as, and you're playing as a cyborg. So you're fighting this, this uh, big, scary mech, and then as its final stage comes, this is the first part of the game, um, it starts shooting missiles at you, so then you get this prompt to jump on each missile that is shooting on you to reach the mech. And then once you get to the mech, um, you end up on top of this building, and then you start running down the side of the building, dodging missiles and slicing them in half with your katana. Then once you do that, you proceed to cut the Metal Gear in half with a katana. And <laughs> 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 While heavy metal music is playing in the back, it's just like... The most over-the-top experience ever. I good. fucking love it. Like, if you just... <laughs> like it's very good. And visually, um, like, jokes aside, visually and everything like that, even gameplay, it's really polished and feels really good. So um, that's just for Revengeance itself. I'm playing that right now. Um, if you guys have any remote interest in Metal Gear, please play it. I borrow a friend's PlayStation 3, buy the Metal Gear Solid collection. It's it's amazing. Uh, it's one of my all-time favorite series now, and the, including uh, games that come that came out in like 1998 and stuff like that. Like it was it was a awesome experience to go through. And Hideo Kojima, I don't know what you're taking writing this stuff. I don't know what you're doing, man. <laughs> but you're a fucking genius. Don't ever stop. He freaked me out on a existential level, so that that's what I'm left with. And Snake Did is... Did we learn about the dangers of AI? Yes. Oh, okay. it, I'm just um, trying to distill this down to some core themes. So, um, yeah, in the first game, uh, it's more about, like, genetic manipulation and stuff like that. That's, like, one of its themes. The second game is AI and controlling media and fake news and stuff like that. The third game is more of like um, what it means to be a soldier betraying your country or standing up for your country, whether it's right or wrong, whether you think it's right or wrong. And um, and the third game, the third game is interesting because it goes back in time to the '60s where you play as Big Boss, and Big Boss is technically the dad of Snake. Big Boss is also called Snake in that game, um, and uh, this is kind of a little spoiler, um, just to kind of get you to understand. Big Boss is, um, or Snake is a clone of Big Boss. So Is that what you meant by technically the dad? Yeah. Okay, I was wondering <laughs> how you can technically, and that makes yeah, sense, like though. Boba Fett. 
he's a clone of Big Boss, and um, yeah, it's it's interesting because like they made um, six clones, but killed three of them, and then it was left with Snake. So there's Solid Snake, Liquid Snake, and Solidus Snake, <laughs> and then Metal Gear Solid Four is kind of just like a closure to all of the previous games, but it despite being a prequel. <laughs> Or uh, Metal Gear Solid Four. Yeah. No, Metal Gear Solid Four is um, is the latest, like the farthest in the future the game the franchise goes. I thought you um, said it went back in time. Metal Gear Solid Three does. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. So Metal Gear Solid Four is the ending to um all of that storyline, and yeah, it's it it I say the theme of that game is like nano machines and um controlling um soldiers through AI controlling human beings through AI. It's really weird because, like, the nanomachines, like, suppress your, like, um, I don't know, emotions and stuff like that. And then there was parts where they would take control of the nanomachines and shut them off. And once you shut them off, it's like a culmination of every emotion and feeling and um, thing just hitting you at once over the years that you've had. And, like, the soldiers are, like, going crazy and, like, trying to, like, kill each other and like throwing up it was it was kind of interesting how they explained like what would happen if you shut off all the nano machines in your body like just all of the emotions that were built up that never got repressed <laughs> but um yeah the nan- nano machines and um technology was a big um theme for number four and it was weird because each act had its like own theme but yeah i i mean as many as many cutscenes that were in that game i still enjoyed it as much as all the other ones. The one thing that sucked though is that it's a PlayStation 3 exclusive and it doesn't even run very well on the PlayStation 3 itself. Oh, that's and, not good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's it's hard because like it would freeze and then I had to tilt my PlayStation 3 at an angle to even get it to read the disc. It's a brand new disc too. <laughs> but just because just because it was a dual layer disc, my PlayStation 3 had a really hard time reading the disc itself. So it would freeze at times and, and I would have to restart after like three boss fights. Oh, and, no. oh man. I, I pushed through, beat it. So other than that, after this long rant of Metal Gear, I just want to recommend it to anybody listening and to you guys too. If you are remotely interested, play these games and I think you will thoroughly enjoy them and it's political commentary, it's societal commentary and everything else about it. It's really cool. So yeah. All right. That's what I played. Yeah. I spent a whole podcast once talking about or trying to explain to me what happens in Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's so funny. The not, the fourth wall breaks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cam, you had some you said a board game and something you yeah to talk about? yeah i've mostly been playing games in meat space i'll start with a game i wanted to play a video game i wanted to play but i wasn't able to because it's only for windows and i don't have a partition on my mac yet it's called raft <laughs> i don't know if you guys have heard of this yes i have heard of that game yeah yeah i yeah. saw like a youtube video about it and it looks like so much fun, and I was gonna get it and suggest we all play because it looks like it's. Is this, is this the one with the shark? Yeah, like you that. you're on the raft and you okay. have the grappling hook and you catch the flotsam and jetsam as it comes by to like craft stuff and make your raft bigger. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it looks like a really good time, but 
only for Windows. So that was one. Um, what else? I've been running Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we're getting oh, yeah real close to the end of the campaign I'm running. Uh, although in the last session, you know, because everybody I've been I've been pretty straightforward with all of my players saying like, you know, we're getting really close to the end, which is mostly a just a ploy to get them to all show up. But uh, so they all know we're getting close to the end. And so pretty much every session, people are saying, oh, how long do we have left? And I mean, it really depends on, you know, how much fucking around people decide to do. But I was saying, you know, it's very possible that the session, which would have been last uh, Friday, it was very possible that it could have been the second to last session. And so everyone was really excited about that. But, you know, I always added the caveat. It really depends on what all you do and how, you know, straight along the path you decide to go. And so it's they were really on track for like the first half of the session. And then there's like this one trap involving a mirror that they ended up fucking around with for like an hour and a half. So we're definitely farther from the end than I thought we would be. Let's see. I played a game called Ticket to Ride, which is a board game about. Oh, I know. Yeah, that. yeah. Have you played it? I have not. So, yeah, I haven't not played just the original or the base Ticket to Ride game, but I've played this one that's Ticket to Ride Europe, which I think is mechanically slightly different, but it's the same concept, and you're just building railroads basically between all these European cities which was a really fun game. And it's one that I had heard about for a long time and never picked up. And actually my roommate got it as a, I think she got it as a gift, but yeah, we all played it. I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so I highly recommend that. I don't know how expensive it is. I imagine decently. So I feel like most board games are pretty comparable to the price of a video game these days. And I've thought I would have a game by now a board game that I backed on Kickstarter called The Partisans, which is a game that's based on uh, a legislative body, like in a government. Mm -hmm. And you play as an ideology, and the object of the game, how you win, is by swaying the government to reflect your ideology more than the other players. So that's about all I know about it right now. Interesting. It's one that I've been really excited about for a long time. I backed it um, over a year ago on Kickstarter, and it was supposed to be here a few months ago, but it's printed in China, and the whole tariff situation has been really screwing over this game company. Oh. I just got a backer email a couple days ago saying that you know they were basically printed and ready to go right when Trump... Uh, the most recent time Trump threatened to escalate tariffs even more, which they said triggered this like panic in China to get everything on boats and moving towards the U.S. before the tariffs potentially kicked in. Uh -huh. And so, you know, this little game company is a pretty low priority for these shipping companies. But they said they managed to get it onto a boat at the last second and coming across. So they thought, oh, great, it might actually get there a little early. But then what happened was, you know, everyone in China had the same idea of, oh, let's get our stuff on a boat. So then all the boats showed up at harbors 
in the United States <laughs> and there's not room for them. Oh, no. So I, as far as I know, the game is either still on a boat just waiting its turn to unload all the containers in L.A., I think, is where it was headed. But they said it should get to their offices by either this week or next week. And then I would imagine it'll be about one more week for me to get this game and finally fucking play it. <laughs> What's the, it's just at the bottom of the ocean right now. Oh, God, I hope not. With the boat sank? <laughs> no, they they threw that specific thing. Oh, it's too heavy. We don't need yeah, this. We don't need this. Just one box. All this. Yeah, mine specifically. <laughs> it says your name on it and everything. <laughs> um, yeah, the other thing about this game is that it's loosely based on uh, a series that a YouTube channel called Extra Credits made called mm-hmm. uh, Extra Politics. And so Extra Credits is this YouTube uh, channel about game design. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's... Uh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I I highly recommend their stuff. I don't make games myself, but I still find all of their content really interesting and informative. Uh, and then they have a bunch of these spinoff shows, one of which was Extra Politics, which I believe is done, but it was just sort of explanations of stuff in politics and, you know, concepts that, you know, people probably haven't heard since their last civics class, if they heard them at all. And then one I really like is called Extra History, which is just, you know, what it sounds like. It's just tours through these really interesting times in history. So that's a little shout out Mm. for everyone. And that's it for the games I've been playing. What was the name of the game? It's called The Partisans. Oh, The Partisans. Yeah. Very interesting. I've been really excited about it since they announced it, because I think playing as a political ideology is just something that never would have occurred to me, even though it is you know, fairly intuitive, just try to, you know, sway the government towards your thing, but. Is there a difference when you say playing as a political ideology between that and like playing as like a, like a government faction in like a paradox game? Um, I think. Or is that kind of the same I think the concept is pretty much the same. Uh, Okay. But this is very much like modern times, right? So you're ideology could be socialism or you know labor rights or environmentalism or business interests you know that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. i think it basically is a a faction but i think it's a little more i mean literally it's a little more ideological i think for purposes of understanding where you want the government to go does it does it lean pretty heavily on the like uh like the fundamentals of that ideology that you pick yeah i believe that's how you score okay, points. so you're not you're not like inventing an ideology no no you're given one okay yeah i think okay, you can I either understand. pick one or you draw it from like you know a deck of cards right but cool yeah i'm really excited it's also a game for a minimum of four players up to yeah four to six so that's pretty interesting i've i don't know the last time i played a board game that required that many people but I think I like hmm. their I like their Kickstarter page. Like, can, the look of it makes me feel like I'm looking at like a card game version of Democracy Three, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's got a pretty cute art style. I think that's borrowed directly from the Extra oh, yeah. Credits channel. Cool. When you do, when it gets off the boat, you should let us know. I will. Oh, it's, yeah, it's one I've been meaning to play. I mean, it's I've been so excited for it for so long that. I'll immediately organize a game night and, you know, get it started. But I will I will be back to tell you all about it. 
Awesome. Or at least Rebecca will, because I'm obviously going to rope her into playing. All right. Is that all we have? Is that all we've... Is that everything that we had to get out of our mouths? <laughs> I think yeah. so. Well, I, I hope everyone continues to play video games. <laughs> <laughs> and board nah, games. Done after this and role-playing games. They all count. Don't let uh, anyone tell you you're not a real gamer. Unless true. you're not. <laughs> we should be back to regular programming next week, I, I imagine. Uh, with people's schedules and all that. So you can either look forward to that or... Or, or lament that. Or lament depending that. Depending <laughs> on whose voices you like. <laughs> right. Well, this has been Hit Point Pals for today um let's see we're recording this on a thursday i don't know what date this is i'm just not gonna say the date this is <laughs> but the but the day uh the 20th it would be the 20th this has been oh, right. calls for for saturday july 20th we will see you next time bye Thank you for joining us this week on hit point pals you can find all of our episodes on the web at hitpointpals.com and you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash hitpointpals. Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're enjoying our weekly chats, give us a shout out. Let your friends know. Hit Point Pals is a collaboration between me, Travis Lean, William Suit, Rebecca Markley, and Caleb Warwick. George Lucas too much. I'm just gonna get very angry. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we have plenty of time to talk about George Lucas. I mean, right. Yeah, everything on the website says THX is still around. I mean, it still seems to be a very active company. So, I guess they oh. just just because we're not seeing them on. Uh... I feel like I've seen um, the logo and the credits and stuff in credits. Oh, that makes sense. But oh yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Well, do you guys use physical discs? Anymore, no, no, ever? I, I, I can't I, even I think, think of it, the last it's gotta time. Be, see, I remember many years ago when everyone had when we had DVDs and like you know when you would start playing the DVD. I don't know if you know or not, but when you start playing the DVD, there'd be like pre-roll stuff, and sometimes you could skip it, and sometimes you couldn't. Uh, like there was a certain number of things it would go through before it got to what seemed to be like the actual video file, right? which would typically start with like the studio intro, like Paramount or whatever. And that was baked into the movie. Yeah. But before that, you got all this burnt in stuff on the DVD from like movie previews. And then you would get like the THX logo. And so I'm pretty sure that was just a thing that like was, that's like a thing that plays on like DVDs and maybe Blu-rays now. I don't know. I've literally never seen a blu-ray disc a real blu-ray disc so i have a blu-ray disc but i've never like spider-man i have spider-man into the spider-verse i have james cameron's avatar among other ones no
I want to go one day without having to talk or hear the word James Cameron's Avatar. Oh, it's just wait until Avatar 2 comes out. Well, there's a girl who shows up in in, in Caleb's Twitch chat often, and whenever she can, she tries to talk about the movie Avatar. That's that's a good bit. That's yeah. really funny. I know. She's like, hey, nobody's talking about Avatar, so I might as well just uh, throw it in there. Yeah. Also, sometimes it comes across very organically, and it, that's, that's the oh, best. Oh, that's what I think would be the best part of that, if that's you yeah. just wait for an opportunity where somebody talks about, like, I don't know, having a ponytail or, like, riding a horse yeah. or just fucking whatever. <laughs> just anyway. It's talking about Roombas. Like, what what would be your, like, ideal custom-type Roomba thing? <laughs> and um, she was like, oh, mine would be, like, the characters in Avatar so they could, like, braid fuck. I was just like, <laughs> oh no! I was like, God damn it! But yeah, mine was mine was mine would have arms and legs and opposable thumbs. <laughs> it's not a Roomba. This is a monster. This is a person. It's just a person. Feelings. <laughs> ideal Roomba is a human slave. Oh no! You should play uh, Fallout Four Automata DLC though. Oh, you I can want, take Cogsworth and give him legs. You can take any robot and <laughs> give him legs and arms. Well, I found out my name, like Caleb, is actually one of the, the pre-said names for Cogsworth. That's not surprising. Caleb's a very common name. Oh, I, I thought it wasn't very common, though. Like, I don't, Why I know, did you like, think that? I don't know. There's so many people named Caleb. Damn, I feel like a... <laughs> oh, yeah, what about you? You were living in a false sense of, of uniqueness. <laughs> And we've just ruined every single person I've known in my schools. I've been named Chad and Kyle. So. <laughs> it's the only other name. That was the only. Even the girls too. It's like all the all the men were named Chad, and all the women were named Kyle. Yeah. Here's here's Cogsworth Cogsworth's legs. Oh Dude, man, that Co is Cogsworth's awful. legs. That's a very difficult word to well, say. Well, Cogsworth really. Makes more sense. I like there's like a leg customizer. Ooh. <laughs> Why is there a leg customizer? Just that's that's automata, or you is it automaton? I can never remember. Yeah, it, I think it is. Wait, isn't there like a DLC for Nuka Cola War or something? Yeah. Oh my god, the BGs they're killing me. Yeah, I bought Game of the Year edition and I only beat the main quest and I didn't do the DLCs yet. Well, that was, like, my thing with Fallout 4 is, like, I beat the main quest. The main quest was fine, but then there was, like, nothing to do afterwards. The side quests were so boring to me. Oh, you just, like, you didn't have the DLC yet? No, I didn't. Well, when I got it, it was at that weird spot where they decided they're going to increase the price of the um, season pass. And oh, I yeah, didn't know that happened. And they're like, you have to buy it now or else you're going to have to pay 40 bucks. And I'm like... I'm just a high school. I don't have money. So the classic defense. <laughs> yeah, it sucked, dude. I and I played on Xbox also, so it's like. So they were doing a twenty dollars season pass. I think it was like twenty five. That's like unheard of today. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why you said there, that you ran out of things to do. Like I have no shortage of things to do in Fallout Four. Even after I've beaten the main quest, I have like countless unfinished well, quests no that's the thing it's like i didn't run out of things to do the things to, that i had to do were like i didn't want to do them at all like <laughs> okay. they were just like so boring like i i just i just wanted to go back to fallout new vegas 
and I easily could have, but I just didn't, so I played The Witcher 3. Right. Probably a better game. Oh, yeah. It was like, I was just blown away. when. Who wants to talk about the games they've been playing when we come back first? Uh, I've got I, always, a I feel lot. like I always talk about it first. Yeah, um, I've, I've just got a lot that I think will probably branch into other topics. So oh, okay. I think I should probably go last just so we don't get off on eight different tangents and then do you okay, go? I'll do mine yeah. and then Caleb you can do yours and Caleb you'll have to put down your switch or I'm just going to get a lot of clickety clackety oh yeah I, I plan on putting it down you weren't we doing started. that while we were like talking right I didn't no. hear it oh, my things, my <laughs> no, I, li- I literally just do it during breaks and I think oh, okay. I did a little bit during the last time but yeah I don't remember hearing any clacking. any clacking yeah yeah I, was, I, was, I play smash every time I can are you just on the Smash grind? Like, online? I always play Smash, like, literally whenever I can. But, like, online? Oh, yeah, online. I'm just online. curious what you're... Oh, okay. I get so bored of playing by myself. Because, like, like, you know, Smash is meant to play with other people. But, yeah, you know. Cool. All right. Should we come back? I'm ready. second half? All right. <clears throat> well, let's see. What was I going to talk about? Oh, okay. 